Oh, well, good morning, Legacy. How are we doing this morning? Awesome, awesome. Man, I got to tell y'all, this morning, it is, it is good to be in the house of God today. Amen? Man, just, I don't know about y'all, I, I can say for us in the Wash household, man, this, is, this has been a week, right? You know, just one of those weeks you don't really even have words for. Uh, a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but man, it has been good to be in the house of God this morning, to worship with our church family. Worship team crushed it, as always. Man, fantastic stuff. Never, yeah, let's give it up for them. Yeah, man, awesome, awesome stuff as always. But man, I'm excited and thrilled to be up here with you all this morning. Like Kevin mentioned a minute ago, it's Palm Sunday, right? You know, we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday this morning, uh, about Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, what that means for us, uh, what we need to know about Jesus, and a lot more this morning. But before we really dive into Palm Sunday and everything about Palm Sunday, I think there's a couple of things that I need to do this morning to set us up for some success, some things that we need before we can dive into our passage today. So I've got my backpack here. Um, y'all giggled way too much when I said that. Like I'm, <laughs> uh, well, first off, you know, I've got my palm tree shirt on, Palm Sunday, palm tree Hawaiian shirt. See the correlation there? Yeah. All right. Uh, some other stuff I think we needed. A tinsel palm tree, right? I have no idea why we had this at our house, but I was like, that fits. So, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, woo! Hosanna. Yeah, let's go. All right. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I've got this really cool wooden Bible that somebody brought me back from Jerusalem. And, you know, Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. So let's use a Bible that's from Jerusalem. That makes sense. Uh, and this is my favorite, I think. You know, a little palm leaf that Riley, our daughter, made at the Legacy Preschool. It even says Hosanna on it. So, you know, it's biblical. Um, but... Uh, now, if you, don't, if you don't know, I'm just kidding. We don't need any of these things actually to dig into Palm Sunday. Uh, but what you do need is your Bible. So grab your Bible and flip over to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew uh, 21 this morning. The book of Matthew, first book of the New Testament, Matthew 21. Uh, again, talking about Palm Sunday, about who Jesus is and what this means for us. Uh, starting off in Matthew 21, uh, starting off in verse 1. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so we're going to stop right there and really just kind of unpack those first couple of verses uh, because there is a lot going on here in just this short little story. Uh, there's a lot to work through this morning as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, kind of setting up the scene for what the start of Holy Week is going to be, all of the events uh, leading up to Easter Sunday in the next few days. Uh, and so there's a lot to unpack this morning, but let's backtrack for just a second. All right, Jesus has been out among the people for a little while now. He's been doing uh, miracles for the people and healing 
healing the sick, uh, bringing the dead back to life. And he's kind of been out among the people for a while now. He's been teaching them about the salvation that he offers. And he's been teaching the people what the kingdom of God truly looks like for us. And he's also been gathering disciples and teaching them the importance and the know-how of how to uh, carry out his mission on earth once he's gone. But one curious thing that Jesus does over and over is he avoids public scenes, right? He avoids kind of the public spectacle of things. Like people are flocking to him in droves, hearing the rumors about this Jesus who is able to do big, miraculous, powerful things. And Jesus kind of almost avoids like the public spectacle and the praise of it a lot of times. Think back to uh, Matthew 17, or excuse me, Matthew 15, uh, as Jesus is feeding the thousands of people with bread and fish. You know, he doesn't make it rain, you know, loaves of bread and fish from the sky. He hands a couple of scraps to his disciples and says, hey, go pass these out. And the disciples go out and they pass out food until everyone has eaten and there's leftovers, right? And then Matthew 17, the transfiguration where Jesus' true presence, his true image is revealed at the top of a mountain. He only takes just a few of his disciples up to see that. And the Bible says in a hidden place of the mountain. So it was discreet, hidden from most people to be able to see. Matthew 14, Jesus walks on water. But he only walks on water in front of his disciples that are in the boat. And even then, only one of them gets to actually experience walking on water himself with Peter. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man. And he says, hey, your sight has been restored. Now go and don't tell anyone what's happened here. Right? He tells the guy to not go out. And we know what happens if you read the story. He runs out and tells everybody. He's like, ah, I can see again. What? You know, but like Jesus tells him. Uh, to not go out and tell anybody. So over and over, he does these incredible, incredible miracles, but he almost avoids the public adoration and the praise for it, right? The praise that he really deserves for showing off his power and who he is, that he is the son of God. But now here in Matthew 21, you've got like a real stark contrast. You have Jesus riding into this giant party, right? Everyone's on the street shouting his name, Hosanna, Hosanna, and screaming his praises. They're throwing their cloaks down. They're throwing palm branches down so that his feet don't even have to touch the dirt of the ground. And so why is that, right? Why is it that he is now riding into this giant spectacle? Why does Jesus ride into the praise and the adoration that he's been almost kind of avoiding this entire time? And so like I said this morning, we're going to unpack a lot of things. Uh, last week, if you were here, Kevin had a seven-point sermon, uh, so not to be outdone. We're going for 14 points today. Um, that's not true. Uh, I'm a three-point guy. Uh, three points and we're at lunch, I promise. So y'all stick with me. Uh, now, the first thing that I see here to begin unpacking Palm Sunday and what it means for us about who Jesus is, the first thing we need to know about Jesus is that he is who he says he is. Jesus is who he says he is. Before we dig into that, I want you to notice the tense of that. Not the camping tense, but like the tense of the phrase, right? He is who he says he is. That is present tense. Because Jesus is the same Jesus today that he was that day that he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And he's the same Jesus today that he was when he first came to earth to be our savior and he is the same Jesus today that he will be one day in our future when we go and stand face to face in front of him and account for everything that we have ever done or every decision that we have ever made. Jesus does not sway with opinions or cultural context or history of the day. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Can I get an amen? amen. 
right? Jesus is the same today, tomorrow, yesterday, 14 weeks ago, 14 years in the future. It does not matter. Jesus is the same God that he has always been. And the same Jesus who is real in your Bible and he is real and true and faithful today is exactly who he says he is. So what does that mean for us? Well, let's look back at our passage. The first couple of verses, one through three, uh, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, go and find a donkey for me to ride in on. And it seems like a weird flex for like the creator God, right? Like the God of all the universe, the savior of all mankind is gonna ride in on a donkey and not a giant like victorious uh, horse in procession, right? But in verse four, it tells us that no, everything was actually done on purpose. Uh, Verse 4, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. I want you to like keep a finger in Matthew chapter 21, but I want you to flip back a couple of books in your Bible uh, to Zechariah. It's just a couple of books right before Matthew. It'll be on the screen as well, but Zechariah chapter 9, uh, starting off in verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It's almost the exact same words, right? Because this is the Old Testament prophecy uh, that told people who the Savior was when he came on the scene, right? Matthew is quoting this passage from Zechariah 9. It wasn't a coincidence that Jesus rides into Jerusalem that day on a donkey. It was on purpose, Because he was there to fulfill the law of the prophets. He was there to fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies that had preceded him, right? He was there so that people could see that, hey, this Jesus is the real deal, right? This, this, this is the guy. And it's there so even today, hundreds and thousands of years ago, or thousands of years later, we can look back and see that, you know what? God knew what he was doing even from the start of things. God has been faithful and true even from the very beginning, knew exactly what he was doing. And even Jesus' presence in this moment was exactly true to who he was, right? This Savior, this servant who had come to die and to suffer on our behalf. And so now it is time, right? It's time for for Jesus to step into the spotlight and for people to know that, hey, this is God, right? This is the Savior. This is the King that we have been waiting on for generations. The rumors are true. You know, the things that we've seen, the rumors that we've heard, His power is endless. His message is a reality for us. Jesus is who he says he is. And because of that, I need to pay attention. I need to pay attention to what he is trying to teach. I need to pay attention to when he tells me to give everything else up and follow after him. This Jesus is the real deal. He is who he says he is. The second thing uh, this morning that I see about Jesus that we should all know uh, is that he is who we need him to be. He is who we need him to be. Again, present tense. I want you to picture yourself for just a moment. Uh, Picture yourself that you're a person back in Jerusalem on this day that Jesus is riding in, right? Picture yourself in Jerusalem. You're a descendant from thousands or generations and generations of Israelites that have come before you, generations that have experienced enslavement and torture and, and belittlement of your culture and frustration You've experienced sin that's kept you away from what God has promised you, right? 
Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for your culture over years and years and years. And for generations, you've been promised that one day a king is going to come and he's going to set you free from all of that. He's going to wipe away every enemy and every hardship that you've ever faced in your life. He's going to set you free. And what kind of king are you, ex- are you expecting? Are you imagining in your head, right? You're kind of expecting this conquering hero, this strong kind of king that comes in and just wipes out every foe, right? This guy that rides in on a white horse with a giant sword and just wipes out everything in your path that you don't like or that you've ever suffered from or that you've struggled with. You expect this kind of king is somebody you want to go out and throw your cloak, throw your palm branches down on the road for him to walk on. You want to celebrate this guy, right? You want to be excited about this guy. You want this guy to be a fierce king and conqueror. But the guy you got, the guy you got rode in on a quaint little donkey, right? On a pack animal, on the animal that you put all your stuff on to carry so that you don't have to carry it yourself. And he's pretty much avoided the public spectacle, the public spotlight up until this moment, right? He's preaching peace, not, not victory over your enemies. He's preaching peace and meekness. And he's preaching forgiveness of your enemies and grace for everyone, right? That's not, the, that's, not, that's not the guy with the big sword that we expect. He's not the conquering hero that I expected to see that's going to come and conquering all of my enemies in that moment. But Jesus in that moment shows exactly who he is, the kind of savior that he showed up to be. He's the servant that came to seek and save that which was lost, not kill and conquer the things that make us uncomfortable, right? That's who Jesus is. He was there to suffer on our behalf, and unfortunately, the greatness of who he was was lost on many of the people in that day. They expected one thing. They wanted to see one thing. They wanted to see a hero that was going to come out and destroy evil with the power of God, with the good. And even though Jesus does exactly that, right? Jesus does exactly what the people needed, what, exactly what we needed, but he brought about redemption in his way, not necessarily the way that we expected or imagined it. And the cool thing is the way he brought about redemption was better than anything that we could come up with on our own. Now I want you to picture yourself in Plano, Texas today, sitting in church on Palm Sunday learning about Jesus. Or maybe you're sitting at home right now and watching church online You've got a family, you've got kids, you've got siblings, you go to school, you work at a job, maybe you struggle with anxiety or depression, maybe you've got money troubles, maybe you've got unpaid bills that are waiting for you when you leave this place today. You've got sin in your life that it's keeping you away from who God created you to be or the plans that he has for your life. You're inundated constantly with opinions and ideals on, online that teach you who you should be and what you should think and how you should feel about certain issues. And now you've got this Jesus that comes to you and says, hey, if you will follow after me, I will make all of those things better. If you will just give up everything else and follow after me, I will take the broken things in your life and I will make them whole again. But what he's offering us doesn't always line up with what we picture for ourselves, right? It's not always the image. It doesn't always fully line up with the things that we want to see and the things that we want to do. Does that sound familiar to anyone in the room this morning? 
How often do we project our own image and expectations on who Jesus is, expecting him to do the things that we want him to do or the things that we want him to say or to make our life look like what we want it to look like? And even still, Jesus gives us better than what we deserve. He gives us a life and an opportunity to know him and to know God fully. Unlimited love and unlimited grace for our life. Y'all, Jesus is exactly what we need him to be, even when we try to make him something different. Warren Wearsby, uh, in his commentary on this passage, is writing about the differences uh, in language between Matthew chapter 21 and Zechariah 9, the Old Testament prophecy uh, that we read about just a minute ago, uh, and, and the differences and what Matthew omits from his callback to the prophecy. Um, and in his commentary, Wearsby says, Zechariah's prophecy opens with rejoice greatly, but Matthew omitted this phrase. When Jesus approached the city, he wept. How could he or even the people rejoice when judgment was coming? Our Lord's coming to Jerusalem was an act of mercy and grace, not an act of justice or judgment. He did have salvation for them, but they refused to accept it. You know, something that I think is lost about Palm Sunday in our passage this morning, at least it was lost on me, uh, truthfully, until this week as I was digging into this passage and studying for this morning. Uh, something I think is lost is, is we like to think of Palm Sunday as this huge party and celebration, right? We're going to line the aisles of the church with palm branches, and we're going to have a real-life donkey walk down the middle of the church, right? And it's, like, it's going to be this huge celebration, but y'all, I think this story isn't necessarily a celebration. What I think this is, is actually a funeral procession. And I let that sink in for just a moment. It's less party, more funeral procession. Because Jesus isn't riding into this moment expecting and excited to be praised. He's riding into this moment knowing this week is going to be the worst week of his life. This is going to be the end of his life, Right? And everyone around him is, 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 is cheering and rejoicing and shouting out his name. And they have no idea what they're cheering for. They're cheering for their expectations. But in reality, they're cheering for the blood and the sacrifice that's about to be paid on our behalf. Right? And even then, most of them still won't understand it. Most of them still won't understand what this sacrifice really means for their redemption. Y'all, his coming is an act of mercy and grace, not judgment. He does have salvation for us, even though some of us will refuse to accept it. He is exactly what we need because he brought us exactly what we needed, redemption with God. He does conquer our biggest enemy, our biggest hurdle, our biggest hardship, he does conquer those things. Separation from God was our biggest enemy. And Jesus shows up on the scene ready to conquer those things. He is ready to cure our spiritual sickness, to cure our spiritual brokenness in that moment, to give us full access to God. He comes and he brings peace and grace and mercy for each and every one of our lives. He could easily bring judgment he could easily bring justice and give us exactly what we deserve, which is death. But he doesn't do that. He brings us what we need. He brings us new life. He brings us redemption. Jesus is exactly who we need. That is a fact, not an opinion. Jesus is exactly who we need. The last thing, the third thing I see in our passage that we need to know about Jesus today is that Jesus is worthy. 
he is worthy. Why? Why is that? Why is Jesus worthy, right? Is it because of all of the miracles and the signs that he does among the people, uh, healing the sick and giving the blind their sight? Is, it, is he worthy because he, he multiplied the bread and the fish so thousands of people could eat? I, mean, I think it depends on how hungry you were that day, right? Um, is, is he worthy because the Old Testament prophecies said he would be worthy? Is he worthy because Jesus himself says he is worthy? I think all of those things are true. Yeah, I think all of those things do make Jesus worthy. But I also think that he is worthy because he holds nothing back from us. He didn't hold back his power and his might as he's walking around performing miracles for the people and healing the people that needed healing. He doesn't hold back his presence when he comes to earth to be the savior that we needed him to be. He doesn't hold back his body and his blood that was broken for us that day on Easter. He didn't hold back anything from us. He didn't hold back his salvation, even knowing that some of us weren't going to accept it or even want it. Jesus holds literally nothing back from us. He gives himself over fully and freely to each and every one of us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, Riley, our four-year-old daughter, came into the kitchen where I was cooking dinner. Um, and in our kitchen, we've got bookshelves uh, that line uh, one of the walls in our kitchen. It's where we keep all of our books and our knickknacks uh, from, you know, vacations and places that we've traveled around the world. And, um, and I hear as she runs in, uh, and she runs up to one of the shelves that we have on our bookshelf uh, is for all of our Bibles. It's where we keep all of our Bibles, my Bibles, Natalie's Bibles, uh, Bibles that we bought for ourselves, Bibles that have been given to us as gifts. We kind of keep them all on this one shelf. And, and I hear Riley run in the room up to the bookshelf and she's standing there in front of the, the bookshelf of Bibles. Um, and, and I see and I hear her go, you know, hey, daddy, what is this? And so I turned around from cooking dinner and I looked over and she's holding my Bible from when I was a kid, about her age. Right? It's a little white Bible. It's called the Beginner's Bible. Uh, and it's very similar to the, the Jesus Storybook Bible that Dustin read from last week or that uh, Legacy Kids uses that we actually read with Riley as well. And she's standing there and holding that Bible. And, and, and I looked at her and I said, well, you know what? That, that was daddy's Bible when he was a kid, a kid about your age, right? And like, I can still remember reading the stories with the, the cartoon pictures and the easy to read excerpts from scripture so that you can learn about who God is. And, um, and she looked up at me and she goes, wow, goes, daddy, can I read that Bible? And I'll be honest with you, bad parenting here for a second. My, my gut reaction was no. <laughs> I was like, like, no, I don't, really, I don't really want you to take it because I don't want the pages torn up and, and I don't want you to color on the, on the cartoons. I, I, you know, this is a really special Bible to me because it was my kid, my kid Bible, right? And it's still intact all these years later. Like, not that many years, but just a couple years later, right? Uh, there's a lot of gray in the beard, y'all. Um, but it's like, this is a really special Bible to your dad. And I'm like, I don't know that I want you to read it, but I stopped myself before I answered, I stopped myself and I looked at her and she's looking at me and I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and we're like kind of looking back at each other. But, and I'm looking at her holding this, this really special thing that's really special to me. And I could see how much anticipation she had waiting for what my answer would be. I could see the smile on her face and the joy that she had waiting for me to say yes, right? And y'all, it kind of, it really kind of wrecked my heart in that moment. And I'm like, Man, how could I ever hold this back from her? 
How could I ever hold back something so important as a Bible for my child, regardless of the sentimental value that it has for me? How could I ever hold back something so important from her? So I looked at her and I said, you know what? Of course, kiddo, you can, but I need you to do your daddy a favor. I need you to take care of it, right? It's very, very special to me. I'm trying to say this without getting choked up, but uh, she looked at me. She goes, I will, daddy, I will, right? I'm so excited to read it. And then she just bolted, right? Just ran out of the kitchen. Uh, and I hear her run into the back bedroom where Natalie was and, and just super, super loud. Mommy, mommy, look, look at daddy's special Bible. He said I could read it. Yeah, man, and it almost brought me to tears, right? It brought me so much joy in that moment that she had joy to read the Bible, right? To read my Bible. And y'all, I imagine that this is what God does with us. This is the interaction that we have with God, right? We come to God and we say, God, what is this? Is this Jesus really who we've been waiting on? Is he really the savior that I so desperately need? And God looks at us and he says, yes, he is the one that you need. He's the one that I sent to you so that I could bring you back to me. This Jesus is super special because he is a part of me. So take care of your faith and be found in him. Don't tear away from him. Don't give up on him. You keep your life and your faith focused on who Jesus is and who I have created you to be. And then go out and tell other people excitedly about this special gift that you have received And you sing his praises for everyone to hear so that they might get to experience this gift as well. Y'all, it could be be so easy for God to look down and say what my quick response was going to be to Riley, that no, you know what, you can't have this gift because I know you're not going to take care of it. You're not always going to respect this gift. Sometimes you're not even going to want this gift. You're going to spit on this gift and you're going to complain about this gift that it isn't exactly what you wanted it to be. You're going to mock this gift and you're going to kill this gift. And even after that, so many of you still won't understand how special this gift is. You know, I could have told Riley, no, you know what, you can't have my Bible because I know what you're going to do to it as soon as you walk out of this room. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that because I saw in that moment how much Riley needs that Bible. How much she needs to read about God and God's love for her. She needs to learn about Jesus and his awesome, incredible salvation that he offers each and every one of us. And y'all, this morning, God doesn't withhold from us either. He knows that we need him. He knows that we need Jesus and he gives himself freely and fully to each one of us. Even knowing that we're not always going to appreciate the gift that's been given. And because of that, our response should be like that of an excited child running out in the streets and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Y'all, let me tell you about this Jesus. Let me tell you about this special gift of God that we've been given It's so incredible. And you know what? It's completely free. You don't have to do anything for this gift, but you need it so desperately in your life. It is a free gift that God sent directly to us. This Jesus is exactly who he says he is. 
we can trust and have faith that he will never change no matter what the day, no matter what the hardship, no matter what expectations we put on him, he will always be the same. And this Jesus is exactly who we needed him to be and is still to this day who we need him to be, a savior and a stronghold, a place of hope when everything else in this world falls apart and just looks like junk. Jesus is exactly who we need him to be and is exactly the place that we need to run to. And this Jesus is worthy of all of the trust and all of the faith that we can put in him. This Jesus is worthy of all of the hope and the peace and the grace and the mercy and every bit of joy that we find in a relationship with him. This Jesus, y'all, is everything. This morning, I, I don't know where you sit with Jesus. I can speak for me and my life and what my relationship with Jesus looks like, but I can't speak for everyone in this room. And my hope and my prayer is that everyone here has made that decision, that you have given your life to Christ, that you have given your trust and your hope, and you are fully experiencing the freedom of God through Jesus Christ. I hope and I pray that for every single person here. And if you haven't, if you haven't done that, don't wait any longer to experience that. Hear from my experience, that freedom is incredible. That joy and that grace that you find in Jesus, I often don't have words for how amazing it really is. If that's you today and you have never made that decision, come talk to one of our staff members. Come talk to a volunteer. Find a friend. Talk to a family member. Ask questions. Ask, what does that mean for me? What does it look like? What does that mean to put my hope and faith in Christ? Don't let that time pass you by any longer. Put your hope and your faith in Christ. No matter where you find yourself today, whether you've done that or whether you've not done that, know that you have a God who loves you so much that he literally sent a part of himself to be the cost for your freedom. That he literally gave up himself to pay the price for your salvation. Y'all, that Jesus is everything. He was everything back then. He is everything today. And nothing will change in the future of how much he is everything, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through. The best thing that we can ever do is to be found in him and to be counted among the Christ followers. Y'all pray with me this morning. God, hear us this morning. God, hear our cries. God, hear our praise and worship, but also hear our weeping. God, hear our brokenness. God, we come to you knowing full well that we need you more than anything else. We praise you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we praise you and we worship you that you are exactly what we need, God. Remind us today and tomorrow, next week, remind us 20 years from now, God, that you are worthy of our praise and worship, that you are worthy of our trust, that it doesn't matter what we face because you've already conquered our biggest enemy.
you've already given us a path back to you. God, I pray for every person in this room, every member of our church, whether they're here today, whether they're online, no matter where they find themselves to be this morning, God, but I pray for every single person that they would experience that with you. That we would all be able to experience your freedom and your grace for our life. That we would be able to experience your presence fully. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.